Talks with Dr. Alice and Donovan. Dr. Alice Fong is a holistic, naturopathic doctor and founder of Amorta Swa Wellness, and Donovan Jensen is a software engineer and founder of HowToHappy.com. Together, they're out to cause more happiness in the world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Happy Talks. My name is Dr. Alice, and this is my awesome co-host, Donovan. And today, we are going to be talking about verbal versus nonverbal communication. So, Donovan, what are your initial thoughts to kick us off? Yeah, so the first thing that comes to mind, which is uh, very pointed and not general at all, but I, I think of all those things that you see about, like, learn to read people's nonverbal communication and, and figure them out and learn everything about them and know everything there is to know by just reading these subtle signs. And I feel like that train of thinking or that set of thoughts is way overblown, but there are certain like programs or things that people think they can read uh, nonverbal communication in a way that's very, very specific instead of at a more broad level. Um, I don't know if you've run into instances of this, but I've definitely run into instances of people saying stuff like, oh, well, they were doing this and they had their arms folded. So that meant they were trying to be standoffish. And like in my experience and everything I've learned, you know, a lot of times you can get something out of the nonverbals, right? Like if someone has their arms crossed or something like that and they're standing in the corner or whatever, like there is some information being communicated, but not so strongly that you can pinpoint it to say like, oh, they're feeling frustrated that they don't want to be here or something like that because uh, a lot of the instances I've seen of people trying to read like that and me doing it myself and maybe I bring this up because I used to do this but it's just not um, correct right it is a signal but it is not a uh, something that you can read with 100% accuracy but I'd be curious what some of your thoughts are there. No I completely agree that you can't read someone with 100% accuracy based especially when it comes to non- even verbal communication, but especially not nonverbal communication because they're, that person that's crossing their arms, maybe they're really cold. <laughs> they're, they're like shivering. And maybe that's why they're crossing their arms. You don't know what's going on in their brain and none of us can. So when you make, you're basically making an assumption that they're not having a good time or they're upset or something like that. And Honestly, I think the best way to find out is to, to ask and get some verbal communication. I would say there is definitely value in learning common signals of nonverbal communication. Like people can say the same exact thing, but their facial expression can say completely different thing. An example I think of just had Christmas last month. So opening a present up. And you're like, yeah, I love it <laughs> versus, oh my God, I love it. It's very different. <laughs> so like reading, reading the people beyond like what the words actually came out would, would really benefit everyone. Um, but it, it doesn't always mean it's hundred percent accurate. Again, we can't always make that assumption, but you start to like pick up these signals and maybe suspect, you know, maybe what they're saying is in alignment with what their verbal nonverbal communication is. And that's where you, you want to ask an inquiry to, to see if you can find some sort of understanding, <laughs> I guess. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think you brought up something important, which is using both forms of communication and sort of seeing 
how they line up or don't line up, but making sure to like ask questions and do other things. Cause what the instances I was talking about is people seeing specific body language and then just dropping in off that assumption and saying like, Oh, why are you mad at me? And it's like, like, I'm not even mad. Like what, what, where did that come from? You know, instead of like, Hey, it looks like you might be mad or frustrated or whatever. Um, is that true or, or whatever else? Um, and I think that's the, the distinction that I kind of wanted to draw out, but I, I fully agree that it's a combination of sort of the signals you're getting. Right. Because like you said, you can say something verbally, the tone might not match. And then that's another like signal or piece of information to look a little bit further to try to figure things out. Because I think um, in general, we can communicate pretty well, right? A lot of like, we can get most of our ideas across to other people, but at the same time, there is always like some amount of a gap because I am me having my experience. And even no matter how I try to translate that to you, um, there's always going to be some, some amount of disconnect. But at the same time, you know, we can get close. Like I feel all the basic emotions. You feel all the basic emotions. Like, um, so yeah, by using both of the sort of sets of signals together and, and prompting for some of them, or, or sometimes what I found useful is, um, you know, pointing out the body, uh, signals that you see and asking about them instead of making an assumption around like, Hey, I noticed your, your arms are crossed. Like, I think usually that means you might be uncomfortable, but I want you to tell me what that means. Um, mm. For in in my experience, I can open up the conversation a little bit more too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like that you brought an example to the table of not just making the assumption and just saying, oh, well, clearly you're upset by how you're standing or looking versus being like, well, I'm, I'm, it, it looks like maybe you're upset. Are you, um, am I making that up or what's going on? Asking that question kind of draws it out. And so it gives the person, cause I don't necessarily, I don't think a lot of people necessarily like it when people just make an assumption because a lot of times I've, I've heard that myself a lot. And, you know, I, a lot of the times I might just be spacing out and like, I guess I have a resting bitch face occasionally and maybe that I'm not smiling. I'm just like in my head or thinking about something. And then another person sees me and thinks I'm upset with them because I'm not smiling at them. When in reality, I'm just like oblivious in my own world and not knowing uh, that, that that's what they're experiencing. But if they came up to me and asked being like, are you upset with me? I would be like, no, I was just, spacing out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think going along with that, um, in my experience, that's one of the most frustrating things, right? Is when someone comes and tries to tell me how I feel or what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And, um, I feel like, you know, it's good. I imagine it works the same the other way around where it's frustrating for other people. So one of the clear takeaways I've had is if you, you know, ask someone about something and they give you, uh, an answer, a verbal answer, that seems like it could be in line with something. Um, and I guess you have to weigh in the relationship and how things have worked out in the past or whatever. But a lot of times it is correct. Like I know I personally don't uh, display excitement super well in my body. And we might've talked about this before, but like, I, I just generally don't display excitement very well, even if I'm feeling it. And there've been times in my life where people are like, why are you not excited? And I tell them I am excited. And they're like, no, you're not because you're not, you know, I don't know what jumping up and down and screaming or whatever people do to display excitement. But, 
you know, I know I personally have been very, very frustrated with that in the past where people are like, well, you're not excited. I'm like, you can't tell me how I feel. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, I've had a similar experience in that. Although I feel like I can be super excited and I know what like super excited looks like for me. But I mean, I could still be like subtler levels of excitement. And it's because my my husband has like an Italian um, background. <laughs> He's just like way more expressive than me. And so me having like an Asian background, culturally, we're not as emotionally expressive. So he considers me and calls me deadpan all the time. And he finds it hilarious. And I'm <laughs> like, just because I'm not like jumping over joy because we, we got like a free COVID test or something like that. Like, uh, I, I choose my, my excitement levels varying and it feels true for me. But, um, but yeah, in my perspective, I don't feel like I'm deadpan, but maybe to others, I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually think that brings up a really good point and mm-hmm. something that's really useful, which is depending on who you are, the way you display emotions based on their strength is going to differ and probably differs between emotions, right? Like things like, uh, for me, I I think I'm sort of in the same boat where most of my emotions are on the more muted side of the spectrum. But I know for sure that I express sadness um, and frustration better than excitement. And I have got to imagine, you know, it's not the same for every single person. Some people might show excitement really easily or, or very strongly, I guess is, is the better word to use there in their, in their body and whatnot, while others may have that same thing for, um, you know, sadness or anger. Like there are some people that I see express anger in, in a way that's very like open with their, they use a lot of their body. Right. And, and maybe, uh, it's hard to know if the power of the emotion is stronger, right. They, they're feeling more anger, so they're expressing it more strongly or, um, even at lower levels, they express it in their body more. And mm-hmm. anyway, the point I'm trying to get at is across different people, yeah. um, these expressions are going to be different and mm-hmm. keying into some of that instead of, because going back to sort of this example that I don't like, a lot of these people or instances where people say, oh, they did this thing, they must be feeling this, mm-hmm. is not accounting for, hey, there's a spectrum of ways that people display these different emotions. And you may need to read much more subtle signs and the emotion from those subtle signs could be just as strong as from other sorts of signs. Yeah, I think that that actually makes me think of bringing up an, an important point in that depending on how well developed a person is emotionally and how progressed they've, the work they've done in their own emotional development also could be a determining like they they're their sadness or their anger might be like actually really intense for them, but how they outwardly express it might not be apparent. So we got to factor that involved and we don't necessarily know how emotionally progressed every individual is. And that takes times I know for myself, I probably was a little much more muted and now I'm much more expressive, especially, I think it's at this point in my life, if I'm sad or angry, people know it. It's, it's very obvious. I, I, I am, it's not that hard to get me to cry. I cry from like sad movies very easily. Um, if I get angry, I probably raise my voice. I don't, I don't, I'm not screaming, but I'm, I'm pretty agitated. <laughs> I think I, I make it known. So I, th- I think that's a really important factor to consider that you brought up. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, on, on that same note, even the way that you express things um, as an individual can change over time and with what you've learned and what you've done and whatnot. Cause I know just listening to what you were talking about, the way that I express emotions in my body, I don't think has changed much, mm-hmm. but my ability to communicate verbally what I'm thinking and feeling has especially around emotions really gotten better over the years, much, much, much better. And so if you were using sort of this baseline from, I don't know, 10 years ago to try to read what I'm doing based on, on my body language or my verbal communication, Mm -hmm. yeah, it would be a far cry from what you're getting today. So I guess it goes back to, you know, that video we did forever ago around just making assumptions and just Mm -hmm. how dangerous they can be and how far they can mislead you, um, you know, on that same sort of note, one of the most useful things you can do is actually continually update sort of your beliefs and how you're thinking about someone else based on the information and signals you're getting, you know, it's, I feel like it's reasonable if you see someone, you know, in the corner, arms closed, whatever, to, to have sort of, um, some light assumptions or have some thoughts about it. But once you start talking to them and asking them about different things and, and then the difference between not knowing someone or knowing someone and sort of knowing their patterns and how they tend to display certain things, mm-hmm. you're just going to be much better served um, by not really digging in super far and deep on some of these uh, assumptions around like being able to just read people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah. And I, I think it's also really important to, to factor in that you know, it's, it's normal and natural for human beings to make assumptions based on like what we see and perceive in our past experiences. But to, to remember that it doesn't mean that it's true. (laughs) That's like the distinction. It's like, okay, we're all guilty of making assumptions. We do that, but just, just, just remember that, oh, can I really know that's true? The really only way to verify is to, to ask them and just, you know, have some, um, I, I, I want to say humility, I guess, in a, get, knowing that you don't know everything about everyone in your life, even if you know them super well. Obviously, if you know them really well, you know, I could see that could be a helpful, but also a hindrance in both capacities mm-hmm. in that if you know them very well, then you're, then you're like, well, you're, you're trusting your assumptions a lot more. <laughs> and so maybe you have less wiggle room or space to give them the benefit of the doubt or, you know, create space for them to share what it is that they're really experiences. Um, but if you do know them really well and you've been able to communicate with them frequently and understand their patterns and their behaviors and get to know them both verbally and non-verbally, then yeah, it, it makes sense that, you know, maybe some of those assumptions are more likely to be true, potentially. It's it's kind of that catch-22, right? Yeah, I've, for me, I think it's, it's around sort of this idea of how likely whatever you're thinking is to be true, right? And because mm-hmm. we don't have access to other people's experience, we can never 100% say, hey, you know what, this is exactly what they're experiencing. But as you get to know people, um, you know, like you're saying, you can kind of make a few more assumptions, but it goes back to this idea of be willing to update mm-hmm. your sort of mental model based on new information you get, because you may not be understanding correctly. And right. if you keep pushing down a path 
that the other person is disagreeing with you on about their experience, you're never going to win because they're the ones who actually experienced the thing. Mm -hmm. There's another thing I wanted to talk about um, that you mentioned, which is sort of thinking you can read how other people are thinking or feeling based on some of like your background or experiences. And it reminds me of an instance where I was sort of having an argument with someone and, and one of the things that I do if I get really frustrated is just sort of like close my fist, not like nothing, just to, just to put some like pressure in my hand. I don't know. It's yeah. just like something I do. It doesn't mean anything. Anyway, I, I did that sort of like at, at, at my not hip, right? <laughs> right, right. And, yeah. and that's, that's actually the whole point is like, I was doing that because, you know, I was feeling like some yeah. tension and just getting frustrated. And it, it's a way for me to like vent out some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but while I was, you know, arguing with this person, they got, they got like very, very nervous. Like, oh, you're, you're about to hit me. And I'm like, I, no, I'm not like, I'm, de- I'm not going to do that. That's not a coping strategy that I have for being frustrated. That's not something I, I do, but they had sort of past experiences, um, with particular people, or maybe just a particular person that that is what that meant. Right. That meant like I'm losing my temper and I'm losing control of my temper and things are about to erupt in a fight. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that's like a really good example of uh, having sort of past experiences doesn't necessarily mean you're reading body language correctly right. because it means it could mean different things to different people. Like for me, that that's like the most, I don't know, benign thing. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe it looks aggressive or seems aggressive, but that's not the intent. So uh, I just think it's important to not anchor all of your reading of other people and body language on some of the things that you've had in the past. Don't get me wrong. If something like that happens, like um, I think it was reasonable for the person to be like, uh, are you going to hit me? <laughs> like, what's, what's about to happen here? Um, but if they had said like, no, you were about to hit me, you were about to start fighting. Like, mm-hmm. you know, again, just sort of digging your heels in on these readings is not going to be very fruitful. Well, absolutely. To add to that though, you know, when I was thinking of it, it was just like referencing the same individual. Like if you, if you saw your father constantly like create a fist and then whenever he did that, he would always punch you, which would be terrible, honestly. Uh, <laughs> and so it's like every time he does that and he's like consistent with that and he does it more than like a number of times, then of course it's understandable for you to be afraid and fearful in that situation. But that, that to apply that for everyone that has a fist for when they're nerves, that doesn't mean that all these other people are going to hit you when that happens. Uh, so to make that distinction is important, but understandably it's, it's yeah, that's tra- tra- traumatic. That's a more extreme example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say that was probably a horrible example because that's a that's <laughs> yeah, it's a good example. It's a difference. It in, illustrate the picture. <laughs> it is a difference in body language that can potentially uh, cause harm. So probably be on the on the safer side of things if yeah. you're in, have that sort of experience. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, mm. I'm trying to think of another example, perhaps, or just yeah. The thing that still bothers me a lot is, uh. Yeah, I'm not always smiling 100% of the time, okay? <laughs> I'm just like in my zone or also maybe it's like a learned behavior uh and I don't know if this is going down a, a brighter path. <laughs> I was just thinking of like, you know, if I'm walking down the street and I'm just kind of like in my zone and 
I think I've trained, learned behavior from my experiences of not wanting to get hit on or harassed or anything like that. I don't want to smile if I'm like walking down the street and like there's strangers <laughs> around. I just don't want to like invite that in. So I guess I remain more neutral faced and maybe that makes people assume that I'm not a very friendly person. I don't know. Um, but that's not necessarily the case. It's just my own past experience that has propelled that to some degree. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a good example. It reminds me of sort of going to some touristy spots in Mexico where, mm -hmm. you know, there's just constant people hounding you to sell you things and yeah. follow you around and all yeah. this stuff. And, um, you know, you develop sort of a body language around, I don't want to be bothered. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not interested in any of this stuff, which um, can be a little bit tricky, I guess, because then you have to morph your body language depending on where you are, right? Like if you, if you walk around that same set of body language at, at work in an office setting where you kind of know the people or get to know the people or whatever, and you have that same sort of like mean, mean face, like, blinders on not paying attention to anyone or looking at anyone people are going to start right. wondering like what what the what was this person's yeah. problem like what is wrong with you why are you so grumpy and mean mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but yeah i think that's definitely common you know especially like living in different i've moved around a million times in the last couple of years yeah. and you know different areas there is definitely it feels easier or safer i don't know if i ever feel like i'm really in danger but like lighter to be able to go around and look at people and smile and like wave at them and whatever else. And then other places that it's like mm -hmm. not making eye contact with anyone. I just, mm -hmm. like you were saying, I don't want to invite whatever, whatever it's going to be in because most of the experiences have not been that pleasant. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, that's a really just good point that uh, I guess like body language can be very dependent on the scenario and doesn't necessarily tell you a whole lot about the person as a whole, or at least like it may give you a little bit of signal around how they're feeling in the moment, but it doesn't really tell you the kind of person they are. Right. Cause when I walk around, um, you know, like a busy city, like San Francisco or something or, or, or Portland area, I'm pretty, you know, heads down, like laser focus. Um, but other places I will walk around and just like wave at people or not or whatever, whatever I'll yeah. smile at people. Um, but yeah, I think that was a, that was a, another interesting example you brought up. Yeah, actually made me think of another important point that I think is important to address in that, like thinking about sometimes we have to be also self-aware and conscious of how we're coming across, depending on what environment we are in. Although I, I do have to have gratitude and realize that I have this privilege because what this whole conversation made me realize that, yeah, if I'm not smiling and I'm just kind of like in my zone and maybe people think I'm like an angry bitch or something like that. Okay. That's not like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> it's like, I'm not, but you know, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it made me think of, you know, I have, um, African-American friend who's a six foot six man and he can't have a resting bitch face because he told me, and this was, I was not aware of this, that when he has his resting bitch face, people think he wants to kill them. <laughs> so people don't think I'm going to kill them. But for him, this very tall, like black man, um, he, he has to be very conscious, aware of how he's presenting himself 
And so he always has to have a smile on his face because he doesn't want to instill fear in the people around him, which for me is, is kind of sad in a lot of ways, because that's a lot of effort and a lot of thinking about like, how am I coming across? Cause a lot of the times I'm not thinking about that. So I, I realize that is a huge privilege in that I can be a grumpy faced, even though I might not be grumpy or maybe I am, but it's not necessarily going to instill fear in people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a really good point is that um, the messages or signals you send out into the world mm-hmm. may not be completely dictated by you, right? Yeah. It's not fair in any way whatsoever, but <clears throat> who you are and and things like your physical attributes mm-hmm. do make a big difference in the way that other people read your body language, right? Right. Um, just by the nature of being a man that is like, uh, not me, but if you're a man and you're very large, like, like you're saying like six, yeah. six, and I, I don't know how your friend is built, but especially if he's built yeah. like that is just an intimidating mm-hmm. build in general, uh, mm-hmm. to start with. And yeah. then, you know, there's also all the extra like racial tensions and, mm-hmm. and assumptions that people have around stuff like that. And none of those things are really attributes, maybe being built, maybe if he works out, but none of those things are really attributes that are in your control, but they absolutely influence the way that you're going to be perceived by other people. So mm-hmm. it's not fair again, but sometimes yeah. to display the type of um, message, I guess, or the sort of signals that you want to get across, mm-hmm. sometimes you may have to work to exaggerate certain body language and you don't have to do this, right? It's just, if you want to, you know, change those signals, you might have to work to exaggerate certain types of things. Like I know for me, um, again, sort of friendliness or openness, I think openness is probably a better word is not something that I display very naturally either in my body language. Mm -hmm. And I still don't, unless I consciously think about it and go like, okay, I need to open up a little bit more. I need to like face into people, open my open my shoulders and stuff so it's like more welcoming um but a lot of those things like are not part of what's natural for me and Mm -hmm. for a lot of people i'm sure a lot of the signals that they're sending out may not be natural for them and may be dependent on just how they look exactly yeah i actually just thought of another friend who also he's white male but he is a very built guy, like bodybuilder type of body. And then he's also like shaved head and tons of tattoos. And so he looks like he says when he goes into a bar, like someone like thinks that he wants to fight him or some people want to like start a fight with him to just like prove themselves. And, and I know him um, when I first met him. Yeah. He seems like a very intimidating type of guy, but once I've gotten to know him, he's like a big teddy bear (laughs) in a lot of ways. So it just, again, it just proves the point that we can't make assumptions about people. And in that, you know, just because of the way a person's built, they can't, a lot of that, they can't necessarily control to some degree, maybe some of it that you control your clothing or your hair, things like that. But a lot of it, we, we can't necessarily control. So it's just like, okay, you know, just because they're look intimidating doesn't mean they are. And, you know, they're human too. <laughs> they have feelings and, but uh, yeah, I, um, I don't know where I was going with that, but. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it leads into <laughs> a really uh, interesting and 
honestly, probably sort of frustrating sort of conversation around how the way that you choose to, this is, this is sort of outside of body language, but still nonverbal communication, but the way that you choose um, to present yourself, right. The way that you choose to get your hair done or what you choose to wear, or if you have tattoos or not, or where they are, or what they are, or, uh, piercings or, or hair color um, and all this other stuff. Like there's this really, I don't know, interesting, I guess, tension between sort of how people might want to express themselves and how they are going to be perceived potentially. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, for, for myself, for example, growing up in Utah, where it's relatively conservative everywhere, I had really long hair for a while. Mm-hmm. And there was a, there was a while where I was like, well, I'm just going to keep having long hair because I want to have long hair. I like it. This is, this is nice. I don't agree with that anymore. Now, every time it grows out, it drives me nuts. <laughs> but <laughs> at the time, you know, I was like, oh, this is, this is really nice. Like I like mm-hmm. this, but then for the area I was at and the opportunities that were coming up, mm-hmm. things would just keep happening that were like, well, you know what? I'm probably going to portray a different image if I change like how I look which sucks, you know, because on the one hand, it's like, oh, wow, like, I don't know, people shouldn't have, people should be able to express themselves in the way that they dress and do their hair and whatnot, and have that be okay. And people should be able to get past their initial look at someone. And, you know, what I'm talking about is really mild. But, uh, you know, there's other people that have other sets of attributes that people frown upon or different areas frown upon for whatever reason or no reason. But, you know, on the one hand, there's that, right? Like people should be able to express themselves however they want and people should be able to look past that and it'd be fine. And on the other hand, there's sort of the reality, which is like, <laughs> it's, uh, it would be nice if people would do that, but mm-hmm. there can be certain things that people are going to make certain assumptions and it is actually going to change mm-hmm. the outcomes and opportunities. And I don't think I've ever dug into this enough to get like a really good answer or something smart to say about this, but it's definitely a tension that I've, I've seen and felt you know, uh, albeit to probably a minor degree to, compared to what some other people experience, especially, um, you know, if you really have something outside of the normal saying quotes in a place that's very conservative, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. I'd be interested on some of your thoughts in that realm. Yeah. It, it, it is also kind of unfortunate that, you know, the nature of human beings is that they make assumptions and that, you know, that having long hair, even though it was something you enjoyed and liked, it, it comes with assumptions. Maybe people thought you were hippie or, <laughs> or just not as together or put together in some capacity, which is me knowing you, it's like, that's so far from the truth, obviously. <laughs> but it, it is the nature of, of humans. And it's, I, I, yeah, I, I don't even know where to go with that. I just, it sucks. <laughs> and I'm sorry when people make assumptions about you. <laughs> yeah. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is tough. And it is something that I've tried to think about before and try mm-hmm. to think of something smart to say about it. Right. And it's, yeah. it really just boils down to like, yeah. you can either choose to express yourself in exactly the way you want to and deal with the consequences, or you can choose to like alter your appearance in a way that conforms to the sort of image that you want to portray. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. I don't know. Maybe we can make another video if I ever figure out the smart thing to say about that instead of just like choose one and it kind of sucks either way. Unless your image happens to what what you want to portray happens to align exactly with the things that you want to use to express yourself anyway. And you're lucky in that way. 
Yeah, I feel lucky. It just kind of made me think of, you know, I, I'm someone that is not too, too big on, on makeup. Or generally, I do put on some foundation before our, our Happy Talk show to not seem so splotchy, but I don't go super heavy um, because I have this idea that if I'm always putting on makeup all the time, this is my, my logic, if I'm putting on like a lot of makeup all the time, then that's what people will start to just see me as this person that's so very well put together and made up and all of that. And then if I don't wear makeup, which does happen, <laughs> then they'll be like, ooh, <laughs> ooh. And so that's why I generally go a little lighter on the makeup if I'm going to do makeup. But most of the time, if I can choose not to wear makeup, then I, I probably won't. Uh, but being a technically a public figure, you, you I feel like like I have to to some degree, even though I don't want to, but not that I have to. Technically, I don't have to, but I also want to appear professional. So it's that dichotomy too. And maybe, I don't know if that, <laughs> if that, that connects to what you were sharing, but that that's just speaking from my own personal experience. No, it does. I mean, I feel like that's a prime example, right? It's just yeah. like this, this, uh, push and pull or this tension between like and, and I have the same thing probably to a, a lesser degree but it's like I'm not gonna do happy talks if I didn't do my hair like I need to find some hair gel and throw my hair up why I don't know why just, just so it looks like I'm more put together because it's something that's uh, you know I want to communicate out it's the same thing actually was with my hair was long like it was it was not communicating out to people that I um, was professional and competent which is unfortunate because the length of your hair has nothing to do with that and neither does whether or not you put gel in it and neither does whether or not you put on makeup. Like the, those things are not really correlated in any way. Yeah. So um, and, uh, I think it's a uh, exactly an example of, of what I was talking about where it's just sort of unfortunate. And I guess it goes back to sort of, again, making assumptions around people's body language, or I guess now we're talking about the way that they sort of look is like, you know, that there might be some small signal, but you really need to not anchor down into that small signal. It's going to be so much more useful to go past that and get to know the person and talk to them and figure out what's going on and what they're thinking and feeling and who they are and, and all this other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think that really is what it boils down to is just to communicate verbally, <laughs> ask questions, be curious, don't assume as much as you can. Um, but do you have any other final thoughts on the verbal versus nonverbal communication? I think that pretty much captures it. It's just, you know, uh, I see these like programs and stuff. And I, I talk to these people who say they're like 100% body language experts, and they can train you how and teach you how to read exactly what someone's thinking and feeling. And it's just not the way it works and yeah. it's going to lead you into traps like telling someone how they feel and being wrong <laughs> yeah, and great. feeling that you're completely right so just just be wary of stuff like that and know that all all sorts of communication is much more of a uh, ebb and flow between two people than it is sort of this uh, I can tell everything from my eagle top view mm -hmm. absolutely Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Happy Talks with Dr. Allison Donovan. We hope you got something of value to help bring a little more happiness into your life. What lesson or takeaway did you get from today's episode? 
For more tips and tools, be sure to check out my website at dralicefong.com and you can find me on my social media handles at dralicefong. You can find me at howtohappy.com and follow me on my social media handles at howtohappy. Catch, Catch you next, you next time. time.